This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Ready, set, save, California. It's sellathon time this Labor Day at your California Ford dealer. Get ready for the best offers of the summer on the 2019 Ford lineup, like an adventure-ready Explorer or the all-new built Ford Tough Ranger. Or get behind the wheel of the 2019 Ford F-150 with the power, toughness, and capability to carry any payload. You've waited all summer for these deals, and the wait is over. So ready, set, save. The Labor Day sellathon is on now, but don't wait. These deals won't last. Hurry into your California Ford dealer before it all ends September third. You are listening to On The Daily, the Rotoviz Daily Fantasy Sports Podcast, powered by Rotoviz Radio. Hey everyone, I'm Matt Friedman, Matt F. The Oracle of Fantasy Labs and Rotoviz. Welcome to the September 30th, 2017 NASCAR edition of On The Daily. I'm joined by Dr. Nick Giffen, an editor at Rotoviz, a PhD in mathematics, a three-time qualifier for the DraftKings NASCAR main event, and one of the best NASCAR DFS players in the world. You can follow him on Twitter at Rotodoc. Nick, how's it going? Hey, Matt, I'm doing great. Uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. We're getting into this last round of the first round of the, I guess, the last race of the first round of the NASCAR playoffs. So pretty exciting time. We're going to get our first our first cuts here. Yeah, so uh, last weekend we had the race at New Hampshire. Kyle Busch took the checkered flag to lock himself into the second round of the NASCAR playoffs. And then speaking of the second round, you... Ad- If you're looking for amazing deals on name brand products, Grocery Outlet is your destination. This week, start your day off right with Maxwell House Ground Coffee. 29.5 ounce containers are just $3.99. That's a wow savings of up to 60% versus traditional grocery stores. Also, get a great bargain on contented hen organic medium free range eggs. 18 count packages are just $2.99. That's a wow savings of up to 50%. Offers good through September 3rd. Grocery Outlet Bargain Market advanced to the second round of the fantasy racing world championship talk to us about uh your lineup and your sweat and anything pertinent with new hampshire yeah so um my sweat was not really a sweat as it turned out it was kind of it was kind of funny the way it worked out uh there were 25 entrants and of course we played down to 15 and as it turns out 14 of us ended up using the same lineup so there means there are 11 others who did who used a different lineup than the one I was on with this you know the same lineup as 14 others. So at worst I could have finished tied for 12th, and so that meant it came down to a tiebreaker, it, or it would have come down to a tiebreaker had all the other 11 lineups beat us. Uh, and so 12th, 13th, 14th, and 15th would have advanced. So there have been four out of those 14 that advanced had you know like again had those 11 other lineups been better than my lineup. Fortunately for me, the tiebreaker was when you qualified for the Fantasy Racing World Championship, and I qualified the first week, so I was guaranteed to advance before the race even started. As soon as lines locked, I was I was uh, already advanced to the next round, so it wasn't really much of a sweat. But the lineup, I think, was was a pretty straightforward lineup for the most part. You know, Kyle Busch was on the pole, Martin Truex Jr. started third, 
So there were very obvious choices. And then, um, you know, for dominators and dominator points, and they, those were the two that ended up dominating the race. I think they combined for pretty much all of the laps led except a, a very small bit. And then uh, Joey Logano didn't make a qualifying run, so he started dead last. So he was an obvious put in the cash game lineup uh, or, you know, the lineup that, that acted like a cash game lineup for the most part. Then there were three other picks, and that was kind of where um, some people had to make some choices. For me, it was pretty obvious to use Daniel Suarez, who qualified 25th, but in final practice, he was inside the top 10 in all of the different speed metrics. Uh, so, so he was an obvious play. Danica Patrick was a very obvious play. She qualified 27th, and again, like Suarez, she was practicing a lot better than her qualifying position, even in 10-lap average. So those two were obvious plays, and then it, it came down to there. There was about, I think it was $6,600 or $6,500 left to uh, fill out the salary cap, and um, Eric Almirola qualified 29th, so he was the safest play for me. Uh, you also could have gone with Paul Menard. You also could have gone with Michael McDowell, um, and some people did. Some people went with Menard. He ended up scoring the exact same number of points as Eric Almirola, so uh, the lineups that had Almirola and then the lineup that had Menard ended up tying and Michael McDowell actually was the, the pivot for some people, and especially Soup Sandwich there. Uh, he ended up qualifying for the next round as well. He was on the on the bad end of the tiebreaker, so he, he pivoted off of Eric Almirola onto Mike, Michael McDowell. Very good move. It got him into the next round because McDowell actually did better than Almirola, so that lineup beat the 14-way tie and got Soup Sandwich and, and, uh, and one other person into the next round as well. Also did the Michael McDowell pivot, so... Going into the next round, I'm pretty excited about it, and uh, we'll see. It's 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 going to be an interesting week, I think, this weekend at Dover. That's uh that's awesome. So, uh, the weekend, you, as you mentioned, there it's the second round of the Fantasy Racing World Championship. Fifteen competitors. Uh, the cut is down to ten. Uh, a little bit of a different strategy, it might seem, uh, for this round versus last round. What is your strategy heading into the weekend? Yeah, certainly. So 25 to 15 is is sort of like a cash game lineup. Um, you know, just over half the people advance. With 15 down to 10, two thirds of the field is advancing. So uh, it still, you know, is very beneficial to have a high floor lineup. Uh, the thing is, I think qualifying this weekend might make it so that there aren't as many, or at least there isn't one super obvious lineup. So I think we could see multiple different lineups. Uh, again, I think, um, uh, you know. It, tiebreaker probably won't come down to being a, a as big a factor this weekend if there are multiple lineups, multiple ways you can go for these lineups. So it'll be very interesting. Um, you know, a lot to talk about this weekend in terms of salaries, qualifying, starting position, etc. So I'm just my strategy this weekend is is literally to just put together as solid of a lineup as I can and make sure it has a high enough floor. Uh, that um, you know, I'm not I'm not screwing myself over by making any rash decisions and uh, hopefully advancing on to the next round. Yeah, you know, just uh, to back up a second, I think it's really interesting that so many people in the first round, and and so these are all sharp players, right? Who had to qualify into this competition. So many of them landed on the same lineup, and then even if they didn't land on the same lineup they saw that lineup and knew that it had a chance of being chalky and intentionally, you know, strategically pivoted away from it. It makes me think of the beginning of the NASCAR season when uh, there was some conversation on Twitter, you know, 
people saying that other people were selling their lineups because that's how you could get so many lineups that were all the same. And really, it's just, uh, I think maybe the the field has become sharper at identifying the chalkier, uh, high-floor plays for cash games, which locks in the likelihood of other lineups. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. And there there definitely were at least three or four very obvious, maybe even five very obvious cash game plays this past weekend. And because, like you mentioned, it's a field of very great players. I mean, 25 people qualified. Pretty much, if not all of them, next to all of them are very good NASCAR DFS players. Uh, like you said, a lot of them ended up on the same lineup. A lot of them knew that was going to be a, a good lineup and intentionally pivoted off of it. Uh, and just very sharp plays all around. So, um, Vascar DFS is, man, that's getting sharp. A lot of, a lot of good people, a lot of good players, and it's a very tough field and I'm just happy to be in the last 15, but I definitely want to make sure I get into that last 10. That's another, another nice pay jump there. It goes $4,000 if you get cut this week, but $6,000 guaranteed if you make it into next week. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, a lot more to talk about. First, I just want to remind everyone that you can get a 30% discount to a special NASCAR pass through our NASCAR podcast homepage, rotaviz.com slash NASCAR podcast. With that pass, you get unlimited access to all of Nick's premium NASCAR content, and your subscription supports the pod. Also, in case you didn't notice, it's football season, and Rotoviz has an NFL pass. You can get a 30% discount to that through the NFL podcast homepage, rotaviz.com slash podcast. Uh, okay, so we have something special for the Rotoviz listeners. So the Rotoviz NASCAR Playoff Challenge is taking place this week. Listeners can submit their entries starting after this weekend's race when the second round of the NASCAR playoffs gets locked in and 16 drivers are trimmed down to 12. So Nick, remind everyone about the contest details and how they can download and submit their entry into the contest and then what prizes they can win. Yeah, so I'm I'm super excited about this contest. We're glad to be doing it again. We, we didn't do it last year. We did it two years ago. It was a lot of fun. Um, and so the way this contest works again is if you uh, want, you can you can essentially fill out a playoff bracket. And so it's there's 12 drivers that'll make the second round of the playoffs. So you're gonna start with those 12 drivers. You're gonna cut it down to eight. So you pick eight of those 12 drivers to advance to the next round. Then from there you pick four of the drivers to advance to the final round. And then from there you order your top four finishers and you'll get points um, based off of your driver's initial playoff seeding. So when I say initial, there were 16 drivers initially. So if the 16th place initial seed ends up making the final 12, he will go into the round of 12 as still the 16 seed. Like it's the NCAA tournament. You know, 16 seed beats a one seed. There's still the 16 seed the next round. It's never happened of course, but in, in NASCAR is not the NCAA tournament. So, uh, It'll be it'll be fun. It'll be filling out a bracket. You'll get points based off of that seed number. So if the 16 you pick the 16 seed to advance and he advances, you'll get 16 points. If you pick him to advance to the final four, you'll get double the points. So it's double the points for making the final four than it is for getting it right in the round of eight. And then in the final four round, uh, there will be points allocated to each position as well: fourth, third, second, and first. Of course, getting the the championship driver right being the most important will be worth the most points. There will be a tiebreaker as well, which will come down to, you have to fill in the tiebreaker, which is the number of laps led by the championship winner. Uh, so not, not necessarily the race winner, but the championship winner. Whoever ends up winning the championship, you have to pick their number of laps led in that final race at Homestead, which is a 400 lap race. So, or sorry, 267 lap race, 400 miles. 
So don't pick over 267 laps if you're if you're filling out your tiebreaker there with the number of laps led. So you can download the form. I will because the race is on Sunday and we won't know the standings until after the race Sunday. I'll create it Sunday night. We'll post an article on Monday on rotaviz.com under the NASCAR tab. So you can go to the NASCAR articles and we'll have the form you can download right there. Uh, on a NASCAR article, it'll be a free article, so no, don't need to pay for it or anything like that. Download the form, fill out your form, um, you know, with your drivers and everything like that, and then email your submitted bracket to uh, on the daily DFS at gmail.com on the daily DFS at gmail.com, and uh, I'll collect all the entries and and score up the points when the you know when the race and the season's over, I should say, and uh, we'll pick a winner. And so we get we get three winners actually. The first place winner will get a Free pass to all of Rotoviz forever. Any content we have, NASCAR, NFL, NBA, PGA, all of that, anything else new we add, permanent pass to Rotoviz and a very sweet Rotoviz pullover, which I think they're getting, most of us are getting this week. So uh, they're, they're, they're out on delivery and I'm pretty excited. And we will give one of those away to the first place winner. Yeah, second that's, the, place, that's the real prize possession there. Just got to say. Exactly. Yeah. It is. It is. It is. In second place, we'll get a lifetime pass to the NASCAR pass uh, at Rotoviz. And third place, we'll get a one year pass to the NASCAR pass next year. So Giving away a lot of stuff. Make sure you enter the contest. It's going to be a lot of fun, and it's our way of saying saying thank you for for reading and listening this whole year. All right, awesome stuff. Uh, great contest. We got more to talk about, specifically with the NASCAR playoffs. So there were some uh, other major implications in the playoff races past weekend at New Hampshire. Uh, Kevin Harvick and Kurt Busch got involved in a multi-car accident that sent both drivers home. What impact did that wreck have on the playoff standings? Oh, yeah, it definitely, definitely had an impact. Um, you know, Kevin Harvick, I think, was a little bit lucky because he, he came in in a pretty good situation with a lot of playoff points uh, and did well in the first race at Chicagoland, well enough anyway, that even though he wrecked out, he's not in a bad situation. He's still 10th in the playoff standings. Remember, 12 go on, so he's in good shape. He's 25 points ahead of the cut line which right now is 12th Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and 13th Austin Dillon both have the exact same number of points. Stenhouse would be in right now based off of a tiebreaker. Uh, 14th place is Ryan Newman, who is one point back. So literally the the cut line there, 12, 13, and 14, are all separated by a total of one point. Then we get to Kurt Busch, who you mentioned was in that wreck. Uh, He definitely had a very... Uh, I guess lugubrious interview there. He was pretty pretty downtrodden, uh, and I, you know Kurt Busch is 17 points back of the cut line there, and then in 16th place Casey Kane is 21 points back of the cut line. So uh, very very tough situation there for Kurt Busch and Casey Kane, Newman, Dylan, and Stenhouse right there in the cut line. In front of the cut line, I, I mentioned Harvick in 10th, who's 25 points ahead, but uh, Jamie Murray is only nine points ahead of the cut line there in 11th. I have to say, pretty sure that is the first time usage of the word lugubrious. I think you've been kind of busting them out lately. Yeah, so that was my old. I used to do this last year. I would I would ask the road of his guys on Slack chat to give me a word to slip in there, and and that was the word this week. I'm glad you caught it. That was that was the goal. Well, it's uh, pretty hard to miss that one. Okay, so uh, there are drivers locked into the next round. There are drivers uh, in good position in terms of points on the inside, drivers just barely on the outside, and then a couple of drivers who are really far back on the outside. So with all of these different situations, 
what impact does all of that have on the current playoff standings uh, in terms of race strategy for the drivers? Yeah, so, um, you know, obviously if you're Stenhouse, Dylan, Newman right there in that 12, 13, 14 bubble, you're racing each other uh, for the most part. You're racing each other. You need to beat two of them to guarantee that you get in the playoffs, essentially, um, barring some other wild and crazy things happening like McMurray wrecking out or Chase or Harvick or, or anything like that. You're basically racing those two drivers and you want to be the first of those other, you know, the, the three of you, you want to be the first of the, the three of them. If you're Kurt Busch, Casey Kane, you don't necessarily need to win to get in, but you need to have some mayhem occur to get in. Uh, obviously, 21 points for Kane is is pretty difficult to overcome. It's not necessarily insurmountable, but you're going to need multiple drivers ahead of you to have problems. So most likely, Casey Kane will need a win. Most likely, Kurt Busch will need a win, although it is a little less uh, necessary for Kurt Busch. If he gets a top three, and Dover acts like Dover has in the past, there is a chance Kurt Busch could just race his way in without winning. But I think by and large, the two of them are probably banking on wins. So it makes them interesting GPP plays. It makes them interesting cash game fades, of course, because uh, if things aren't going their way in terms of, of you know, chaos and mayhem, they're going to have to take some chances themselves. Jamie McMurray, he's on the good. Uh, he's only nine points to the good. He's also keeping an eye on Stenhouse, Dylan, and Newman, kind of seeing where they are, making sure at least uh, one of them, or sorry, at least two of them are within contact of him. So, you know, a few places in front of him, that's okay. Uh, it's just not too many places in front of him for more than more than one of them. So uh, that's kind of where Jamie McMurray's at. Everybody else from Harvick forward, I think you just race your race. Tenth uh, on forward, that's Harvick, Elliott, Blaney, etc. You race your race, and as long as you are not having major problems, you'll be fine. Uh, you don't need to win. Additionally, not only are Martin Truex Jr. and Kyle Busch qualified for the next round based off of their wins, but technically so is Kyle Larson based off points. There's no way he can fall outside of the top 12 thanks to having a lot of those playoff points. So, uh, And then the other one is Brad Keselowski. There's no way he can fall outside of the top 12 as well. So they're all locked in. So they just racing for wins and playoff points. Uh, try to get a few extra playoff points for the next round. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event, even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Okay, so you mentioned there uh, if Dover acts like Dover. So let, let's talk about Dover. So uh, Dover International Speedway, a one-mile steeply banked concrete oval. Earlier this year, uh, there was a race at Dover. It featured a 10-car pileup. Uh, and Jimmy Johnson stole victory from Kyle Larson on a late race restart. Uh, what did we learn from the first Dover race that we can apply now? 
Yeah, um, Dover, the first race, was was crazy. Uh, there were a lot of tire issues, so, um, you know, that ended up creating a lot of cautions because of, of tire incidents, um, a lot of tire wear, a lot of blown tires, flat tires. Kyle Busch himself, uh, when they did their first pit stop, they didn't get all the lug nuts tight, so he had a loose wheel. Just a whole bunch of weird things happened in that first race. There was a 10-car pileup. Uh, at the very first Dover race, which you just mentioned, and, and that was on that final restart there where Jimmy Johnson passed Kyle Larson. Uh, Larson actually had the lead on the restart, but didn't get a very good restart. Johnson beat him to the line when the caution came out. So, um, yeah, a wild race. And I think the thing really to remember from the first race is the tire issues. And, and will that be an incident, go, you know, a problem going forward? That's something we're going to have to try to figure out this weekend. Uh, and and just like you said, Dover being Dover, the DNF rate, uh, I shouldn't say the DNF rate, but the problem rate at Dover, which is DNFs or any other issue that causes you to fall out of touch with the, the lead lap, not not just the lead lap, but like within, I usually say about one and a half percent of the, the car in front of you. So if uh, there's 400 laps, then I usually give you a six lap cushion and say if you're more than six laps down from the car in front of you, then you had definitely had a major problem. So uh, the major problem right at Dover is about 25%, which wow. you know, 40 cars, 10, that means about 10 on average will have some kind of, of major problem. Wow, that seems high. So you, you talked about uh, tire issues from the first race. Uh, it seems like tires are like, it's something that almost is, is like taken for granted, you know, um, but do you think that teams have figured out the tire issues this time around? Or do you think we, again, will see issues with the tires? It, it It's tough to say. Um, I think, uh, you know, what we'll have to do is keep an eye on practice, see what the teams are saying about the tires in practice, see what they're saying, um, you know, about the wear, about the possibility of blown tires, et cetera, flat tires. So, um, definitely a lot of things to keep an eye on, but I'm not so sure that it'll be as many problems as last time, given that now they have an extra data point on what happened last time. So they know how to manage them better. Uh, you know, NASCAR probably also saw that and maybe is recommending, um, at least some different tire pressures or I should say Goodyear is recommending different tire pressures. Maybe they, um, have done a little bit to change the compound. So, uh, that's all stuff to keep an eye on for practice this weekend. Um, I'm definitely going to continue to do some research and make sure uh, I know what tire compound is going in because, and we'll talk about that on Road of His Live this weekend on Saturday uh, when, when I know more about the tire situation there. But I think that's something uh, to definitely keep an eye on as far as tires is, do we know what the compound is? Um, I'm, I'll definitely be able to dig that information up and, and talk about it on Road of His Live. But uh that is probably the number one thing for me this weekend in terms of my personal research for Fantasy Racing World Championship because that's really going to help me understand how the dynamics of the race will go. So when I figure that out, I will uh, make sure we talk about that on Road of His Live as well. You know, uh, a question about uh, whether we hear certain things in practice or not. Did we hear in practice last race that uh, there were tire issues? Like in advance of the race, did we see that the tires might be problematic or was this just something that randomly popped up during the race? During the first over race? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there were, I think, some inklings that there could be some issues. Uh, you know, it, it's tough because usually they occurred on longer runs and you don't get a ton of long runs in practice. 
but definitely there were there were a couple instances where drivers um, had had I guess concern about the tires. I don't think there were any major incidents during practice, if I remember correctly. But uh, I think there were at minimum there were concerns that uh, you know tire wear was going to be. Uh, more than normal, I think, at Dover, because Dover's interesting. It's a concrete track. It's one of the two concrete tracks NASCAR races at, and we don't typically think of Dover as being a tire that, or a track that chews up tires, and I think it just happened to be a bit of a mismatch this past time around with, with Goodyear and the track, and, you know, the cars, they're always changing the aerodynamic package, which means you need to change the tire package. Might have just missed it a little bit, so I'm going to, again, I'm going to do some research into that, and we'll talk about that on Road of His Live, because it'll be... Certainly in the first race, it was a major, major uh, deal, and we need to make sure that's either going to be or not going to be a major deal this weekend because that will affect how we construct GPP and even cash game lineups. Okay, so let's talk more specifically about Dover. 400 laps. Each of the first two stages uh, is 120 laps in length. So how is stage strategy going to impact the racing that we see? It's interesting because um, I think think at least as far as Dover goes, uh, you know, I'm, I don't think it'll be too major of an impact. Um, you know, the first race this year, Kyle Larson led 241 laps. Martin Truex Jr. led 102 laps. And, you know, Kyle Busch would have led a bunch of laps if not for an early caution. And then, like I mentioned, having that, that, that issue with his loose wheel there, it's not getting all the lug nuts tight and then having a loose wheel. So, uh, I actually even think the tire may have fallen off. I can't completely remember, but, uh, so there weren't a ton of different dominators. It was Larson. It was Kyle Busch. Um, you know, Larson started, uh, I think it was fifth there. Martin Truex Jr. started second. Kyle Busch started first. They're all right up there at the front, and it was those three guys uh, who, who basically, between them, obviously the Kyle Busch incident, but uh, would have dominated the race or did dominate the race. So um, that said, I don't think the stages will be a major impact. If, if there's 120 laps they're all going to have to pit under under the first stage at some point, not at the end of the stage, but during the stage at some point. So when a caution inevitably, I think, comes out, they'll probably all end up pitting. Uh, so I don't think it's going to be a major issue in terms of the stages, and it really wasn't the first time around either. And, and I think that's going to continue. We'll probably see two dominators, maybe three, like we normally get at Dover. If you go back to the this race last year, so the second Dover race last year, 187 by Truex, 102 by Kyle Busch, 90 by Logano. So there were three dominators in that one. But by and large, there tends to be, um, you know, uh, sorry, that was that was fastest laps, but um, uh, no, that was laps led. And so, but yeah, by and large, there tends to be two dominators, occasionally three. And then even one time, uh, there was kind of a crazy race, race where about five drivers led at least 40 laps. Um, three of them led 47, 48, 49. One of them led 85, one of them led 117, but that's kind of what you get at Dover. You mostly get one or two dominators, or sorry, two dominators. Occasionally you get three or more. Okay, uh, what statistics are you looking at to gauge dominator performance at Dover? Yeah, I mean, dominator performance at Dover, uh, if, you're, if you're really looking at, like, laps led and, and so forth, you're going to be looking at, again, just what is how has a driver dominated this year? That's a very important thing. And then, of course track type and that by that i mean the steep tracks so there's four steep tracks dover um bristol uh darlington and homestead so those four tracks you can go to the nascar splits app rotaviz.com slash nascar hyphen splits and uh look at domination at the steep tracks so laps led at the steep tracks we talked about laps led this year 
Um, then the other thing will be the 10 lap average. That actually does matter. We'd like to see a good 10 lap average. Dover is a mile track, so most of the drivers will get uh, 10 laps in under their belt. And long run cars tend to be very good at Dover. Uh, I know we get a lot of, of mayhem here and some chaos here, but we also get some long runs at times in the middle of the race. And uh, you know, the cars that are good, because Dover is a concrete track, uh, it reflects the sunlight. So there isn't as much change into the track conditions throughout the race. So cars that stay good uh, tend to be good throughout the whole race. Uh, so that's why 10 lap average is going to be very important this weekend, even for dominators. Normally we talk about it for, for finishing position, but this weekend it's also important for dominators. Okay, so uh, let's talk specifically about Dominator picks. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious based on the outline that you've given me that Martin Truex <laughs> is and Kyle Busch are uh, our Dominators. Truex is on the pole. Kyle Busch is starting second. Uh, I'm curious about your thoughts on their salary. Uh, so for the first time this year, a driver is above the $11,000 mark. Uh, and it turns out it's not one of those drivers. It's both of them. They're exactly $11,000. What are your thoughts on their salary and how that impacts your strategy? Are you basically doing a team Jamelman type of strategy? Yeah, I mean, they're almost like the, the Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson in some ways of, of NASCAR right now. The two are just so dominant. Even Kyle Larson, who's been very good this year, has, has I think, taken a backseat to those two. So they're $11,000. The next driver uh, in salary actually isn't even Larson. It's Kevin Harvick, who's $10,300. So he's $700 cheaper than both Bush and Truex. That's crazy. Um, we haven't seen that this year. So it definitely impacts strategy. How does it impact strategy? Uh, cash games, do you, do you like you said, team jam them in? Do you go one or the other? You know, Truex starting the pole certainly would be to be the preferred guy there. Um, because he's on the pole and because he's been the best driver this year, because he's been great at Dover in the past, you know, Truex is a guaranteed lock for cash games. The question is, do you also just jam in Kyle Busch and, and hope that, uh, both of them end up leading a bunch of laps? I certainly think that's a, a possible strategy, but then what that does, if you jam into $11,000 drivers, all of a sudden you have four spots left in your lineup where you have to average $7,000 per driver. So it, Definitely becomes uh, tough to then fit in another expensive driver. Um, you know, let, let's say hypothetically, let's say you fit in just some driver over nine thousand, um, and then you're left with a ballpark of six thousand one hundred, six thousand two hundred per driver left for the last three drivers. So you're definitely dropping into the Joe Dirt cheaps if you do that. Um, you're guaranteed, um, and I guess you could go 6,000, 6,100, and 6,300 or something like that. But uh, for the most part, you're probably dropping down into the Joe Dirt cheap range, and that's how, uh, you know, two $11,000 would impact your strategy. Alternatively, in GPPs, even maybe in cash games, depending on how you want to play it, you could go just one of the two, and that certainly opens things up. There is some value this weekend in terms of, drivers qualifying poorly that are pretty good here and just pretty good in general. So that is interesting for cash games. That is also another option. So, you know, the the fact that they're both 11,000, I think changes things. It, it really makes you have to consider, do you want to jam both of them in, in cash games or not? For GPPs, I think it's a lot easier to get off one or the other or, or uh, but I think in cash games, the real decision comes down to, do you play both or do you not play both? And it's not as easy as it seems uh, most weekends when they're 10-5 and 10-3. Now they're both $11,000, and the next driver is $700 back. Mm -hmm. 
quick question here. So comparing those two, I'm assuming that Truex on the pole, um, given that they're the same salary, is going to be more popular out of the two. Do you think that's the case, or do you think they will have roughly split ownership? Uh, in GPPs, he'll definitely be the more popular of the two. Uh, yeah. He's been better this year. He's on the pole, most likely to lead those first laps because he gets to control that initial restart. Um, yeah, Truex will definitely be higher owned, but they both will be pretty heavily owned. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm curious, though, with the salaries, if if that will dampen Kyle Busch's ownership a little bit. Um, if it does, he's an interesting guy you could you could jump onto. Alternatively, in, in GPPs, and this is, I guess we're kind of almost in a way talking strategy, but also in a way talking GPP picks, but Kyle Larson qualified third, and he's been the third best driver this year. He dominated Dover earlier this year. Uh, he's, he, this is, you know, steep tracks are his jam. So you certainly cannot rule out Kyle Larson either. It's going to be a very, very interesting weekend. And and like I said, coming down to fantasy racing world championship, I don't think the the lineups will be as clear cut as last weekend for sure. A lot of different ways to go this week in GPPs and in cash. Hey, sports fans, football season's here and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Games. Interesting. So for finishing position, what are the stats that are important at Dover? Um, it's it's actually pretty close to the Dominators, which is is kind of interesting. But you do get a track type, um, you know, flat track stuff. Not just the Dominators, but also driver rating, quality pass percentage at the steep tracks. I think I said flat. I meant steep tracks. Uh, the track type there, so driver rating, quality pass percentage, and dominance at the, at the steep tracks. You also want, again, that 10-lap average, super important because the track is so consistent throughout the race. And, of course, starting position actually matters here at Dover. It's pretty easy to go a lap down with it only being a mile track. Uh, you, you, do, you definitely want to make sure you have track position here at Dover. It's funny because New Hampshire was a mile track last week, but starting position didn't really factor into the model, but that's because we got so many cautions near the end of the race. It's, it's, it's funny because in Dover, we also get some cautions, but usually at Dover, it's like one big one. Just like there's always, it always seems to be a big one at Dover, 10 cars, eight cars, 12 cars, something like that. And that's because even on the straightaways, Dover is banked. So if a car hits the outside wall, he's coming back in front of traffic period. And the inner wall is, is pretty close to the inside of the track. So it's, Kind of like a bowling alley, like if you're playing bumper bowling, um, you, you know, there isn't much room to go there. You're pretty much going to be in the lane for other cars to, to T-bone you. So uh, that's why we end up getting some big ones at Dover. But I think that's why it's also different from New Hampshire that um, New Hampshire, we get a lot of wrecks late, but don't always necessarily get big ones. At Dover, we can often just get one big one and that wipes out a bunch of the field. Okay, so we saw how the first race at Dover was uh, unpredictable uh, with the tires and the wrecks. 
how predictable is the driving at Dover in general, according to your models? Yeah, so it's funny. I mentioned the DNF rate right around, or at least the problem rate is right around 25%, which is crazy. Um, and, and the first race this year, only 14 drivers either, um, or I should say, let's flip it the other way around. All but 14 drivers either had a problem or finished behind somebody who had a problem. So only 14 drivers finished on the lead lap there with kind of incident-free uh, things. So that said, that part is unpredictable, predicting who won't finish, predicting who will get in crashes. But the part that is predictable is if you do finish – Dover is is actually pretty decently predictable. It is right around my, my model. Uh, we saw last week with New Hampshire was pretty low. It was around 0. 0.48, 0. 0.5. Uh, Dover is right around 0. 0.53 to 0. 0.55 in that neighborhood, depending on uh, which formulation of the model I use. But that's actually pretty good. Um, it's it's towards the top half. It's it's not near the top by any means. There's plenty that, that hit the 0. 0.6 or even higher mark. But uh, Dover is in the top half of predictability if you do finish. The question is, are you going to finish the race? Okay. So uh, given the amount of uncertainty this weekend uh, in regards to the tires and the playoffs, how do you think a DFS player should approach GPP strategy? Man, this is such an interesting week for GPP strategy because um, not only that, they also have the salary element that we talked about, which I think is a, a brand new twist this weekend. We've never uh, in the history of NASCAR DFS, we've had a, a driver over 11,000 before. I think Harvick was 11.8 at Phoenix one year. But we've never had two drivers at 11,000 or more, especially when the next driver is $700 back. So add in unpredictability, the, the tires from last time, um, the playoffs, the stages. So many things could happen here. I really, really like being contrarian with my non-dominator plays, right? So you're going to want to play tricks you're going to want to play at least some portion of kyle bush here multi-entering you're probably going to want to play larson at some percentage if you're multi-entering the question is how do you um approach the rest of it and i think there are ways to be different in the joe dirt cheap range um in that six seven thousand lower seven thousand dollar range uh, and even maybe doing something where you build a more balanced lineup like maybe playing a couple guys in the 8k range and one of the you know one of Kyle Busch or Truex or, or Larson or something like that most likely Truex right but uh, if you play something like Truex maybe a guy another driver in the 9000s who has a chance to dominate a couple $8000 drivers that that is a very interesting way to be different as well and i think ultimately it's not going to come down to being different on your dominators it's going to be coming down to being different and making sure you get the right guys that avoid the wrecks that, uh, you know, if, if, if 10 drivers wreck out, right, a 25% problem rate and, and your driver's not one of that 10%, he's going to be able to pick up a bunch of spots most likely, especially if it's somebody that's starting in the mid-20s or something like that. And, uh, you, know, you know, so, like, what is the difference between Austin Dillon starting 23rd and Chris Buescher starting 22nd? Probably the difference is everybody will be on Austin Dillon, so makes Buescher kind of an interesting play. Or maybe the other way around, you know, we haven't seen final practice. But the idea is... Try to gauge ownership percentage, and that's why my, my ownership percentage model every week I post it, and you guys can take advantage of that. I think this is going to be a week to take advantage of ownership percentage for drivers starting in the 20s. Okay, let's get to the picks. Who are your cash game plays this week? Yeah, I mean, obviously Truex. Uh, after that, it becomes pretty interesting because you have Brad Keselowski, who qualified 16th, Jimmy Johnson 17th, Logano 18th, Boyer 19th. Those guys are all in the top 10 in salary and they qualified 16, 17, 18, and 19. And and even Boyer, I think, is in in you know discussion for cash games because he's so good at Dover. 
So you're going to have to decide, do you go two dominators, um, you know, or both Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. If you don't, you're probably dipping into at least one of the drivers, if not multiple of those drivers starting in that range for cash games. The other one, I think that's a pretty obvious choice. Jamie McMurray qualified 26th. He's a chase driver, uh, has a good history at Dover as well. Um, so I have no problem starting Jamie McMurray in cash. And also the thing that's nice about McMurray, he is, I wouldn't say like overly expensive this week. He's 8,100, which is of course the bottom of that $8,000 range. You've got Boyer 8,800, Eric Jones 86, Kurt Busch 84, Blaney 83, and McMurray 8,100. So I love the price tag you're getting there on McMurray as well. He's in that same tier of drivers in terms of how he's raced this year. Uh, and he qualified 26, so you're getting a, a nice bit of a discount there with with McMurray at price and in starting position. Okay, GPP. GPPs will be fun. This is what we're talking about right here. In this mid-range in the 20s could go so many different directions. Um, I think uh, I mentioned Chris Buescher. I'm interested to see how he practices because he tends to do better at the steep tracks. Um, obviously, uh, you know, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. qualified 15th. He's always very good at the steep tracks. We always think of him at uh, Bristol, but been very good at times at Dover as well. Um, he has led laps at Dover before. So uh, I thought that was a pretty interesting note on Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Uh, another driver that I think is very interesting in GPPs is Trevor Bain. Um, I don't know how many people will be on him this weekend. Uh, the thing about him with, with Bain at Dover is his driver rating is not very good. Uh, it's it's 55.0, which actually only qualifies him for the 27th best driver rating. But a lot of that has come through you know, bad luck, being in the wrong spot at the wrong time with DNFs. You remove the DNFs, he does drop jump into the top 25. Still not a great, uh, you know, steep track. Again, or sorry, driver rating there. But if you pull in the steep tracks in general, he jumps up a little bit. But he qualified 20th, so tougher to be on him but uh, I think the idea is you're going to want to be on these drivers in the mid-20s I kind of like Chris Buescher but I really want to see where he practices if not um, other drivers starting in the 20s like I mentioned Bain I think Paul Menard will go completely overlooked this weekend I kind of like playing him this weekend as well it's just totally like ownership percentage plays and drivers that aren't like looking just like wretched in practice in the mid-20s I think is the direction you're going to want to go all right Joe Dirt who you got Joe Dirt, the obvious name here is Matt DiBenedetto uh, for multiple reasons. First of all, he is $5,000, so of the Joe Dirt range, he's actually pretty far down there. He's below David Reagan. He's below Cole Witt, below Corey LaJoy, which doesn't really make sense to me why LaJoy and Witt are higher than him. DiBenedetto is a steep track specialist. We've talked about him at Dover, or sorry, Bristol, uh, but he's very good at the steep tracks in general, and he didn't take a qualifying lap, so he's starting dead last. Uh, he's much faster than probably five or six cars in front of him at minimum. More likely he'll be faster than like eight or 10 of them. So uh, he's a very, very good Joe Dirt cheap. He's the obvious Joe Dirt cheap play this week. Even Reed Sorensen, I think, is in play though for the Joe Dirt range as well. 4,900, his qualifying lap kind of, he just like didn't really make a qualifying run. Uh, He got out there and, and, you know, his qualifying lap was an average of 18 miles per hour. So I think... uh, that says it all right there. He didn't make a real attempt. He's probably faster than a couple of the cars ahead of him as well, like Jeffrey Earnhardt, BJ McLeod, I would expect. But DiBenedetto is the better play there of the two that, that really didn't make qualifying runs. Okay, and then finally, who is your pick to win? Man, it's so crazy because we got Truex first, Kyle Busch second, Kyle Larson third, right? And they're the, the three best drivers starting one, two, three. Um, Truex should be the odds-on favorite to win this race. 
Kyle Busch should be the odds on favorite, uh, second odds on favorite, and Kyle Larson should be the third odd on favorite. And I'm going to go ahead and say Kyle Larson, and that's because uh, why not? You know, Truex won the first race, Kyle Busch won the second race. Let's pick Larson to, to kind of complete the the three there in that first round of the NASCAR playoffs. We'll get three different winners, I think. Uh, they're already all three of them are already locked in, so they're racing for playoff points. And I know Kyle Larson, steep track, loves the steep tracks, wants some playoff points. Kyle Larson's my pick to win. Okay. Uh, anything else to touch on? You mentioned uh, Road of His Live going to be on Saturday night. Yeah, Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern, uh, 4 Pacific, of course. And we're gonna we're gonna get into a lot of fun questions. I know you guys will have a lot of questions with the salaries, um, you know, being as they are with Truex and Kyle Busch. Uh, you'll probably want to know, do you go one? Do you go both? How do you approach all that? So we'll talk about that because you know, we'll have practice under our belts. We'll dive into the tire stuff uh, and, and and a lot more. 7 o'clock Eastern, rotaviz.com slash live. All right. That is going to do it for this NASCAR edition of On the Daily. For Nick Giffen on Twitter at Rotodoc, I'm Matt Friedman, Matt at the Oracle. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to On the Daily, the Rotoviz Daily Fantasy Sports Podcast, powered by Rotoviz Radio. And special thanks to Randy E. Aguabo for the introduction. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the established Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email on the daily DFS at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at on the daily DFS. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. If you're looking for amazing deals on name brand products, Grocery Outlet is your destination. This week, start your day off right with Maxwell House Ground Coffee. 29.5 ounce containers are just $3.99. That's a wow savings of up to 60% versus traditional grocery stores. Also, get a great bargain on contented hen organic medium free range eggs. 18 count packages are just $2.99. That's a wow savings of up to 50%. Offers good through September 3rd. Grocery Outlet Bargain Market. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.